0: Welcome to Brookfield Perspectives, a podcast from Brookfield that explores how the firm invests in the backbone of the global economy. What do we mean by that? Things that quietly enable your everyday life, like solar panels, warehouses, shipping containers and data centers. Investing in these critical assets helps support and accelerate the pace of progress in business and communities around the world. I'm Lauren Steffi, and I've been writing about investing in financial markets for the better part of three decades. I'll be your guide as we meet the business leaders at one of the world's largest alternative asset managers. In today's episode, you'll get the lay of the land on the insurance industry, what's driving growth, and what the future of the business looks like. My guests today are Sachin Shaw, a 20-plus year Brookfield veteran who was named Chief Executive Officer of Brookfield's Insurance Solutions Group three years ago, and John Baer, a former M&A banker who is a managing partner in the same department. We'll also be joined later by Michael McGrath, vice chair of Brookfield Reinsurance and the former director of the Illinois Department of Insurance, as well as the first-ever director of the U.S. Treasury's Federal Insurance Office, where he served during the Obama administration. I kicked off the discussion by asking each of them to talk about their professional background. Good morning, Sasha, John. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, Lauren. Hi, Lauren. This might sound basic, but to make sure we're all starting on the same page, I asked John to give a quick definition of what insurance actually is. The
1: way we tend to think about the bulk of our insurance products is that uh, customers give us premiums or funds for some period of time against which we guarantee that we pay those claims in the future and generate the sorts of returns on those funds that we've structured the policy with.
0: If I'm a consumer, I want to do this because I'm trying to protect myself against either something that's unexpected, like a natural disaster or something that's inevitable, like death, right?
1: That's just it. It's a guarantee. At the end of the day, we're taking that risk on ourselves and ensuring that those customers can therefore plan for retirement or whatever life events may occur.
0: So I want to unpack the state of the insurance industry a bit, and I I think something that a lot of Americans can relate to is that there's a pretty severe retirement savings issue here in the U.S. Sachin, how does that factor into where the insurance industry is today? And how
2: do we address that? There's a number of estimates as to how large the deficit for Americans who are nearing retirement age is. One is it's somewhere in the $7 trillion range. So the numbers are enormous. And as people live longer, and as the general population gets older, it's important that people feel secure financially in their retirement years and have a pool of capital that they can draw on to fund their lifestyle. And from our vantage point, us entering this space was really about bringing our investment capabilities to bear to help those who are saving for retirement feel confident that we could generate decent returns I
0: asked John why Brookfield decided to start operating an insurance platform rather than just investing on behalf of customers the way it had been doing for decades.
1: Our ability to get closer to the customer and ultimately be able to directly issue the types of policies that most meet the need of the end customer, but also align
2: with our investment style and capabilities at Brookfield. Yeah, and I think alignment is a big thing for us. It became important for us very early to be able to sell products directly to customers for a few reasons. One is we felt we could scale the business much more so than just being a reinsurance provider or just being a third party manager of assets. Number two, we felt like we could control risk much better. By writing our own policies and attracting our own customers, we knew exactly what we were getting ourselves into and therefore we felt we could control risk and drive risk down in the business. And then number three, We felt that if we had an operating platform, if this retirement deficit in the U.S. was real and growing, we could modulate the platform. We could grow it or bring it back down depending on supply-demand imbalances in the marketplace. So I'd say those were all the reasons we wanted to get into it. The reason we had the confidence to acquire a platform is because we have a long history at Brookfield where all of our businesses are underpinned by operating platforms, where we're comfortable Dealing with regulators, we're comfortable dealing with actually selling a product to a customer and getting close to customers. And the benefit, which may be a little bit nuanced, is that over many decades, it's allowed us to be more than just a financial investor and avoid financially engineering outcomes. We've actually focused on making the operations better, driving margins and profitability and dialing down risk through those operations, which seems nuanced and maybe small, but it's very, very important if you're building a very long-term business and you're looking to generate long-term compounding. What are the opportunities that are created by Brookfield entering the business? Brookfield entering the insurance space, and I'd say firms like ours, brought to the industry much more focus on investing and investment capabilities than previously existed in the industry more broadly. We also, given at Brookfield, our understanding of operations, have deep understanding, knowledge and respect for all the risk on the operating side and all the risk on the policyholder liability side. Our thesis at the outset was if we could hire insurance people, bring strong actuaries into the firm, bring our risk mindset and culture to this insurance business and make sure the liabilities were well understood while also bringing our deep investment capabilities to it. That we were differentiated relative to what was in the industry because the industry is very, very focused on risk and much less focused on investing in the way we are. And we thought if we could do both really well, there's value to create. And I would say more broadly in this space, the firms like us who've brought that mentality and that approach, it's been a little bit disruptive, but it's been a real benefit to policyholders because we're creating new products, we are helping meet that retirement deficit need. The sheer supply of annuity products in the market is growing year over year to meet that high level of demand. And much of that is being met by firms like Brookfield. So if you really step back, we've been very good for people who are approaching retirement age because we're providing them the ability to save and earn income at a much higher rate than what was previously being offered and even much higher than what their banks offer today.
1: Sachin articulated the role that alternative asset managers have played particularly in the retirement space in the U.S. and the value add that they've brought. I think one of the ways that we've differentiated ourselves is we've invested our own capital and all of the capital that we've brought to the table has been from our balance sheet. So just to put it in context, pro forma for closing of our acquisitions will be at $100 billion of total assets and north of $8 billion of equity capital that we've committed into this sector. So it is a significant commitment that we have made, and it ensures alignment. When we are able to speak to all of the stakeholders and constituencies, distribution partners, et cetera, they understand that we are all in on this strategy. And I think
0: it's frankly very important. Let's drill down on that a little bit, Sachin, and talk about how Brookfield's approach to the business worked, how you structured it, that sort of thing.
2: So, When we got into this several years ago, it was really important for us to remember what has made us successful, and it was really leveraging our investment capabilities. We've got a thousand investment people around the world in all major markets from a geographic perspective, and we have historically invested in long-duration assets. Think of infrastructure as your classic long-duration investment opportunity. And we wanted to ensure that as we migrated into the insurance business, We leverage the strengths of our long-duration investment capabilities around long-duration liabilities. And if you're 45 years old and you think you're gonna retire in 20 years, that is a long-duration retirement obligation that you have to fund. And you have to make a decision of who do you give your money to to ensure that they give it back to you in 20 years? And when they give it back to you, it's grown at a proper rate, it's met the needs of your lifestyle, it's covered inflationary costs, rising healthcare costs, And we just think that we could be one of those firms at the top, top end that people should be able to rely on because we've been doing it for decades.
0: Walk us through a little bit more about how you build out the approach to investing on behalf of customers and
2: how this creates an operating insurance platform from all of that. We started out by acquiring a business in the U.S. called American National. It had inside of it the ability to issue annuities and those savings products for people. As we built the business out, one of our key goals was matching up that ability to issue annuity products with the investment apparatus we already had at Brookfield. We sit in the middle of those two things, ensuring that as we issue policies to people who are looking for their retirement and savings needs, we're immediately then taking the capital and connecting it with all of our various different investment people inside of the firm and trying to match up the exposure or the duration requirements such that we could provide the best possible investment opportunity for the need of that policyholder and we're doing that in scale this year we will do you know north of 10 billion dollars of annuity writing between ourselves and a recently acquired company and so that scale Annuity writing is being mashed up immediately with our investment people, who can then put that money to work, knowing that there's a 20-year horizon ahead of us.
0: John explained why Brookfield chose to enter the insurance business by partnering with American National. I think it builds on
1: a lot of what Sachin was just describing in terms of the risk mentality and the product suite where we feel we bring the most to the table insurance is a big world. There's a lot of different types of insurance and annuity products out there. And we went into this with American National. They were already more focused on those sorts of more asset-intensive, spread-oriented products where we knew a partnership with an alternative asset manager like ours would make them more effective in the market, number one. And then number two is we have worked with the team there now over a couple of years, there are certain areas of their product offering that were good products, but just weren't for us. And we came to a collective judgment around some of those, de-emphasizing some of those areas and reinvesting that capital into the core parts of the business that we knew we could grow most effectively in partnership. Because it's our money and it's a permanent strategy, there is no confusion about as a typical private equity type mentality of when are we going to sell or are we going to look to monetize. This is not the case. So that's how we've designed the strategy and we ultimately think it's benefiting us.
0: I wanted to know more about how the insurance landscape is changing and where private capital fits in. For more on that, I spoke to Michael McRae, Vice Chair of Brookfield Reinsurance. Michael, can you give us an overview of the insurance landscape and how things have changed in recent years?
3: We've seen a a couple of macro-level trends in the insurance industry in the last 10 years or so that really have driven a ton of change. One is the increase of technology-based data information sources and Where our parents may have preferred to talk with someone when buying an insurance product, the generations behind us only want to talk with someone if there's a real problem. So I would say that the technology facilitating dramatic change in consumer behaviors is a really key driver of change in the sector. A second big development has been the impact of natural catastrophes across the United States and around the world. Climate change is changing the nature of property insurance for individuals, for businesses, and the implications of those changes have an effect on governments, both local and national. And then the third thing I would say is the increasing demand for retirement security products and the increasing optionality within the retirement security world. So, as people are living longer and as people are living healthier lives in many cases, the desire for lifetime income is increasing. And with that desire, the insurance and annuity industries have tailored products to accommodate the longer lifespan and the desire desire for that lifetime income. And what we have seen in the last 10 plus years is the increasing involvement of alternative asset managers in the insurance space. This is a tremendous benefit for policyholders and clients for their families in terms of retirement security options. New capital has come into this space that makes retirement security products more attractive. For this reason, we've seen in the last couple of years, record sales of annuity products. This means more Americans have retirement security and the possibility of lifetime incomes than ever before.
0: John, talk to us a little bit about what a broad insurance offering looks like, and maybe give us some examples that people would recognize.
1: I think really the bulk of our business is through the retirement savings and income products. And what we tend to focus on more is annuity products where by customers give us their funds and we guarantee them a minimum rate of return on those funds for a minimum number of years. We invest across a diversified strategy and allocation of both highly liquid public securities, cash, treasuries, corporates, as well as private investment strategies where we can leverage the Brookfield ecosystem. That enables us, at the end of the day, to offer our customers the best possible rate on their retirement account. So therefore, it's a real benefit to the American consumer.
0: This may be a bit of an aside, but is the growing interest in annuities, at least from a consumer standpoint, due in part to the decline in defined benefit pension plans and the need to fill that void?
3: That's exactly right, Lauren. The decline of enrollment participation and availability of defined benefit pension plans means that Americans need private sector solutions to support their retirement security. The relationship with the Brookfield asset management team makes those retirement security options even more attractive, even more essential for Americans.
0: I asked Sachin and John if anything has surprised them about entering the insurance industry.
2: A few things I'd say following up on John's comments. One thing at Brookfield is we've always had very substantial permanent capital. Today we have 120 billion of permanent capital. These are investments on our balance sheet. And as John said, we've taken circa 8 to 10 billion of that and invested it into the insurance business. But when we started to enter the space, there was this view that private equity coming into the space was not necessarily a good thing or that our capital maybe wasn't the same as maybe the prior incumbent owners. We always found that fascinating because, for example, American National was largely owned by a family. And we kept saying, clearly, we have more capital availability than the family had. (laughs) And therefore, if the company needed capital, you should actually feel more confident that we could bring it to bear. And I think As we've started to explain that to people, they've taken great comfort in the fact that we have this permanent capital source. We have always run all of our businesses with substantial capital, investment-grade balance sheets, and for the long term. But that story has taken time, and I'd say it wasn't one that naturally came to the marketplace. We've had to do a lot of work to explain to people just our history of operating businesses and supporting them with capital. I think what has us really excited about the future
1: as we sit here today just incredible engagement and collaboration with the team at american national it starts with our ceo and his senior leaders but we've got four thousand plus people located in the houston area in Albany, New York, and in Springfield, Missouri. And it's just been a really comfortable start to the relationship, and I think we've worked really well together. The other piece of it that's been a significant, pleasant surprise is the engagement we've had with our distribution partners. So we have several different distribution systems at American National, largely independent as well as career captive agents. They've really embraced us, and we've been able to grow together. So we're looking forward to continuing to work with both the employees and our agents to continue to grow the business.
0: So what's on the horizon for Brookfield's insurance
2: business over the next 12 to 18 months and beyond? So we have one sizable transaction that's going to close in the new year. And I think the most important thing for the next 18 to 24 months is making sure that we integrate that into the broader Brookfield in a seamless way. And what we mean by that is ensuring that. Leadership there feels supported, understands our business plan, understands that we wanna scale, but do it in a prudent manner, that we could take the existing investment portfolio there and plug it into what we do at Brookfield to optimize returns. And as John alluded to earlier, ensure that we are in the products where we can succeed. That takes time to really hone the operations so that it's positioned for success and scale. Those are two big drivers for us. Once we have all of that in place and the organizations are working seamlessly because they are complementary, yet there's a lot of things that they can do together that can drive value, then I'd say in the U.S., coming back to that macro that we talked about early on, aging population, retirement deficit, we think there's a real, real need in the country that we can solve for, and we think the business just in the U.S. can double from here. We think that with $100 billion today of policies outstanding, We could continue to write every year we continue to be one of the leaders in the marketplace and we get to that 200 billion plus range and we think that the businesses today that we've acquired have the operational capabilities without significantly more investment to grow into that how do interest rates play into that plan if rates go very high or very low we will moderate and modulate i think the zone that we're in today which is a pretty fundamentally normal rate environment. I know it doesn't feel that way, but a 10-year treasury at 4.5% is very, very normal in a historical context. As long as things stay in that normal range, this is a spread business. The decision we're making when we write a policy to people is can we invest their money and be a steward of their capital, and can we find investments that can earn more than what we've promised them to generate a proper return for us? And if we can do that, in that normal rate environment, which we can because of the investment apparatus we have, then this business should scale. Obviously, if something in the economy goes terribly wrong and rates go to an extreme, the whole economy has bigger problems and we would likely be able to pull back. It's also one reason why having an operation is really helpful because you control the levers to slow down and speed up. And not only that,
1: but those environments, those market shocks and volatility, that really drives demand in a lot of ways for middle-income consumers who are looking to save for retirement when the world is going to hell in a handbasket that's when you buy a safe annuity and so i think that's an added benefit of having strong operating platform
0: well what does it mean to be a good steward of people's capital whether we're talking about big institutions or individuals
2: what it means to us is that we take a very long-term approach on investing the capital We try to earn the best risk-adjusted returns as possible, but the key word there is risk-adjusted. We really focus on downside protection, capital preservation, not taking undue risk with our capital or our client capital, and ultimately treating client capital and our own capital as one and the same. And if you look at the insurance business, John mentioned it earlier, we've put a very substantial amount of capital into building this out. And therefore, we will act and continue to act in a way that is very focused on risk and capital preservation and downside. And policyholders should take great comfort in that because it means that when you sign up to an annuity with us, we are taking a very long-term view on ensuring that it's invested prudently and that you get a safe product that delivers the returns we promised back to you.
0: John, you talked a little bit about how the U.S. is a right market for building this growth. How do things look in other regions and other markets?
1: We think there is a great opportunity for us to export, if you will, the operating model we've created here in the U.S., albeit in different ways, because every country and every geography has its own nuances. But clearly, in the U.K., there's a great opportunity right now for insurance companies to step in and take over defined benefit pension schemes, which is really the primary retirement vehicle for U.K. retail consumers. And we do this already in North America. We have a... Very small, but very successful, and really a a market-leading business in Canada, Brookfield Annuity Company. And then we have been able to slowly, but with some real expertise, enter the U.S. market through Anico with the help of other colleagues around at Brookfield. So the U.K. pension space is one that we're following closely. And there are other pockets in Europe where we think the dynamics are similar, not as large, but similar. And then again, Asia is an interesting region for us. We believe that certainly Japan is the economy that stands out the most because they've had very low interest rates for a very long period of time and ultimately would therefore benefit the most from partnering with alternative asset managers such as ourselves as either reinsurance counterparties or there's a number of different structures or relationships that we could pursue there. But I would highlight those two areas.
0: That's all for today's episode. Thanks to Sachin, John, and Michael for sharing their perspectives. To hear more from business leaders at Brookfield and beyond, check out our other episodes on decarbonization, deglobalization, and digitalization wherever you listen. And stay tuned for more from Brookfield Perspectives.
3: Audiation.